0: Some of my messages in the past, I've told you a little bit about my mom. Today, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my dad. My dad is about five foot five, maybe 160 pounds. And to this day, he is one of the most caring, yet one of the most intimidating men that I know. You know, my my mom and my dad were were divorced when when I was younger. So I don't really have any memories of living with my dad. But when I was growing up, he was the guy that could do anything. He could build anything. He could fix anything. And it didn't seem like he was afraid of anything. You know, he, uh, he was a drummer, and so I think him being my dad, that's why I have a constant beat going through my head. If I'm sitting at a table, I'll just be tapping the table, and my wife really loves that. Um, <laughs> He, uh, he and I have the same sense of humor. We, we laugh at the same jokes. When I was about seven or eight, he, uh, he opened his own plumbing shop in southeast Portland. And so when I got older, I got to spend summers working for him. And it took me about two summers to realize I don't want to be a plumber. <laughs> you know, he, sure, he's got some flaws, but overall, my dad's a pretty great guy last couple of years, though, I've started to notice that our relationship has changed a little bit. You see, this guy that used to be able to do anything is now asking me for help. Technology is certainly not his friend, and so if he can't get his printer to work, I get a phone call. If he can't get his TV to work, I get a phone call. A couple of weeks ago, he called me just to let me know that the internet was out, but now it's working because he was able to fix it. You know, whenever I get these phone calls, I'm always happy to help. It's just, it's strange that the dynamic has changed so much that this guy that used to be able to do anything is now asking me for help. A couple of months ago, these seemingly unthinkable, I was in the kitchen with him and it was just he and I talking and he got in the refrigerator and and pulled out a jar and he was trying to open it. And He struggled with it for a couple of seconds and then he just handed it to me without saying a word. I took the jar, I opened it, didn't say a word, handed it back to him. And I think although no words were said, we both understood that our relationship is starting to change. This guy who used to be able to do anything is now starting to have a list of things that he can't do anymore. And it's really strange. You know, this week we're, we're going to be continuing our sermon series, talking about the letter that Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus. And last, or last a couple weeks ago, we talked about the relationship between husbands and wives. And we talked about how uh, both husbands and wives, they have... Kind of roles to play in this relationship, but both of them they are supposed to submit to each other as well as submitting to Jesus. And today we're actually going to be talking about two other different types of relationships as well. And the first one of those relationships starts in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open those up to Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have your Bible with you, feel free to use one of the uh, pew Bibles in front of you. Our passage is on the very bottom of page 1159. Uh, As always, if you don't have a Bible at home and you would like one, please see me after service. I've got three or four of them in my office uh, to just give away. We were doing some work in the barn a couple of days ago and found a whole shelf of brand new Bibles, just ready to be given away. I'm not gonna charge you for them. I'm not gonna enroll you into some weird Bible study It's just, if I have the opportunity to put the word of God in your hand so that you can hear and read about Jesus, not only here at church, but also at home, I'm going to jump at that chance. So if you would like a Bible, let me know. I've got plenty of them. Okay, so starting with chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the difference between submitting and obeying. And here, Paul uses the word obey, which means that children are supposed to do what their parents say out of respect. They're supposed to do what their parents tell them because they're their parents. Which means that when when a parent asks a child to do something and they ask why, the response, because I told you to, is actually a biblical response, believe it or not. Now, verses 2 and 3, Paul paraphrases the fifth commandment. You know, the ten commandments that that we hear so much about. The fifth commandment is in Deuteronomy 5.16. And it says, honor your father and your mother. As the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You know, I told you that my mom and dad were divorced when I was really young. I also told you that my dad ran a plumbing shop. So I was on the kind of every other weekend plan with my dad. I got to spend every other weekend with him. And sometimes, because he ran his own shop, he would uh, have to do some jobs on the weekend. And you know, I'd, I'd get to help him sometimes, and that was pretty cool. But um, one of those one of those Saturdays that he had a job to do, it was actually at an apartment complex that one of my friends lived at. And so we rolled up to the apartment complex, and I asked my dad if it was all right if you know I saw my friend out playing in the playground if I could go play and you know hang out with him. And he was fine with that. He went in, took care of his job, and a little while later he comes out. And at the edge of the playground, he he says, okay, I'm done, it's time for us to go. Now, I don't know why I responded the way I did. I'm not sure who I thought I was talking to. But the words that came out of my mouth were, okay, I'll be ready in a couple minutes, keep your pants on. (laughs) My dad didn't say a word, but it took him about two seconds to be right by my side, And he wrapped his arm around my shoulder and pulled me in real close. There was no yelling, no screaming, just a show of force to remind me, I told you to do something, it's time to go, let's go. He led me to the pickup, I got in the car, he got in, and then he looked at me and he says, do we have an understanding? I said, yes, yes we do. I have a feeling that if I would have disobeyed my dad too many more times, that I wouldn't have had the privilege of, as scripture says, uh, living, in, uh, that it, living a long life here, here on earth. Now, the other relationships that we've talked about here in, in the book of Ephesians, there's always two sides, and this is no different. There's another side to the parent-child relationship, and it starts here in verse 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, some of your Bibles may say parents. There may be a little note that says parents. So just understand that moms, you're not off the hook. This is is fathers and mothers. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, exasperate means to irritate or to nag, or just be an overall pain. The last thing that I want to do is to be a pain to my daughter. You know, I I could tell her to do something over and over and over again, but I found that the best way to kind of get through is to show her. You know, I want to be an example. You know, she's she's, not old enough to be married yet, but I want to show her an example of what a husband should look like. I want to show her an example of somebody who reads scripture every single day. You know, her mom and I made the decision a couple of years ago, we're we're not gonna force her to come to church. Because if we force her to come to church, when she's out on her own, she's gonna say, I've done that all my life. I'm not going anymore. So when she does show up like today, Brings a smile to my face. And, you know, it's just, it, it's great that she sees the example of her mom and I. We go to church every week. And yes, I'm the pastor, so I should probably be here. But her mom shows up every week and does does some things around the church as well. We are examples rather than just nagging. Hey, did you go to church? Hey, did you read your Bible today? What have you done today? That doesn't get through. Now, as we... As we keep on going on our our passage, verse 5 kind of opens up a whole new relationship. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Now we're going to get one thing out of the way just real quick before we dive into this. Paul is not saying slavery is okay. He is not saying, oh yeah, slavery's fine. fine, do, do whatever you're going to do. He's commenting on the culture of the day when he wrote this letter. Back when Paul wrote this letter, slavery was a widely accepted practice. What he's saying is, I know there's slaves out there. Let me tell you how you should act. He's not giving a, a comment on whether slavery is okay or not. But what he is saying is that you should work as though working for Christ himself. And that sounds a little bit like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that husbands are to obey their wives just as Christ obeyed the church. We are to love like Jesus loves and we're to work as though working for Jesus himself. You know, when we do that, two things happen. First, we keep our focus on Jesus himself. One of my favorite scriptures or stories in scripture is when Jesus is walking on water and he calls Peter out of the boat to walk with him. You know, Peter's been a fisherman all of his life. He's used to being on the water. He's used to stepping in the water to get to the boat. But this time he stepped out of the boat on to the water. And he realized that as long as he kept his focus on Jesus, he could do amazing things. He could do things that shouldn't be possible as long as he kept his focus on Jesus. You know, when we keep our focus on Jesus, we too can do amazing things, things that shouldn't be possible because we have our focus on Jesus. and In Christ, all things are possible. Now, the second thing that happens when we love as Jesus loved and when we work as though working for Jesus, second thing that happens is we actually reflect Jesus to our community. See, we talked about a month ago about how dark the world is and it seems to be getting darker by the day. But when we reflect Jesus out in the world, our world is brightened by his glory. You see, our kind of slogan, our, our catchphrase, is reaching up and reaching out. So when we love the way Jesus loved, and we work as though working for Jesus himself, we do that. We reach up to focus on Jesus, and we reach out to reflect his love to others. Now, as always, there's a flip side to this slave-slave-master relationship. It says in verse 9, it says, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is who, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Now, I think we talked in the first half of our, pa- our of our sermon series, that everyone is equal. We are all God's children. Nobody is above or below anybody. And so, you know, we we probably, I don't think anybody here has any experience with slavery or slave masters, but I bet all of us have experience with a boss or a supervisor or a manager. You might be that boss. You might be the employee. Not sure. But what Paul is saying here is that bosses need to lead their people with empathy. You now, one of my favorite writers, a guy named Simon Sinek, he gives this great example of what it looks like to not lead with empathy and then also lead with empathy. Unfortunately, we are all too familiar with not leading with empathy, we've seen it all over. You know, a, a boss walks up to his employee and says, your numbers are down for three quarters in a row. You need to get your act together. Otherwise, I can't guarantee that you'll have a job here. We're familiar with that. And that's why so many people hate their jobs now, because leaders don't lead with empathy. But in that same scenario, when leaders do lead with empathy, it looks like this. A boss walks up to their employee. Hey, your numbers are down three quarters in a row. Are you okay? I'm worried about you. And then Simon Sinek, he goes on to say, we all have performance issues. Maybe someone's kid is sick. Maybe they're having problems in their marriage. Maybe one of their parents is dying. We don't know what's going on in their lives. And of course it will affect their performance at work. Empathy is being concerned with the human being, not just their output. When we are leading people, when we're serving people, it doesn't matter who we are serving. It doesn't matter who the the slave masters that Paul is talking about. It doesn't matter that they're supposedly way down below the slave. The slaves are below the slave masters. It doesn't matter who we're serving. We, We treat everybody with the same respect and the same love and the same empathy. After all, it was Jesus himself who said in Matthew 25, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And we have one more section in the book of Ephesians to go over, and we're going to go over that next week. But so far in the last five and a half chapters that we've talked about, Paul has brought up relationships quite a bit. We've talked about Jews and Gentiles. We've talked about husbands and wives. Today, we've talked about uh, kids and parents, and we've talked about slaves and masters. And all throughout that, there seems to be a running theme that both sides of the relationship are to treat each other with love and respect and empathy. You know, during the next three weeks leading up to Easter, a lot of people are going to be hearing a lot about what Jesus did. Some of them may be believers. Some of them may not have any idea who Jesus is. They might not have any idea of what Easter is really about. But you have the ability, actually you have the opportunity to show them Jesus. When you come in contact with somebody, love them as if Jesus would. When you're doing a job for somebody, when you're helping somebody out, work as though you're working for Jesus himself. You see, when we focus on our own selfish wants, when we're inwardly focused, the world continues to get darker and darker, and we don't really seem to help anybody. We just contribute to the problem. But when we love like Jesus loved, and when we work as though working for Jesus himself, oh man, Patience and compassion and empathy, they all grow. The world is lit up with Jesus' glory. The lifeline of Jesus gets thrown to the people who were sinking earlier. Nobody's asking you to go out and preach a sermon. Nobody's asking you to go out and serve on a mission trip somewhere overseas. Just show somebody Jesus. Jesus. Your city, your community, your neighborhood, and your world desperately needs it. Just show them Jesus. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for your love and your grace and your blessings. And thank you for showing us what a relationship, no matter what the dynamic is, thank you for showing us what a relationship should look like, filled with love and respect and empathy. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your love today. Lord, it's truly in your name that we pray. Amen.